1,000. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is February 28th, 2024, and here we are. Starting in October of 2019, we did not think that we would have an opportunity to build an audience and to bring you a show every single day. Mr. Matthew Coca and I started off and we just kept going. Now, you may remember episode number 500. That was back in December of 2021, where we promised you a wait to see that we would get to episode 1,000. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And when we're right, we go back to it. When we're wrong, we go back to it. Who else does that on their show? When we have corrections, we correct them. Well, guess what? I'm collecting this wait to see because we are at 1,000. And to celebrate, I did not want to do this show alone. I wanted to bring in the producer of Nothing Personal. The only person who works on this show, he works with me, I work with him, we are a team. Ladies, gentlemen, anybody else listening, wherever you are, especially St. Louis, welcome Matthew Coca. Hey! God, do you, you hate being on camera, don't you? Yeah, I don't know how you dragged me into this. You know, well, I, we, I, we I'm, promise. Like, I'm so nervous right now uh, that people actually now know that I'm real. And I think it might be the mustache that's doing it. But well, people, first of all, I'm vehemently against the mustache look, but I have no dress code. You can dress like a schlep all you want. I do the blazer look. You know that you grew the mustache. I'm not sure what the impetus was, but you promised the audience you'd come on after a thousand episodes. So you've known this day was coming because we do it every day. We knew months ago that February 28th would be episode 1000. So what are you nervous about? I just thought people would forget, you know, like they, but, but then like you remember like being like an internet person and an internet kid, like the internet never forgets. So people have been waiting for this. So I decided it's the right time. Are you more nervous producing a regular show? Or are you more nervous when you appear because you're worried about what you're going to say or you're worried about the people who are looking at you? What, because I'm more nervous having you on the show than when it's just me because what if you say fuck or what if you just get so nervous that you just... Bleep. Bleep. <laughs> Do you, does that just give you extra work? Uh, that did. All right. I, we have so many things we have to get to today because there's... I want to do an episode and I want to hear your point of view on things because what people don't necessarily realize is the prep that goes into a show. We have no uh, cue cards. We have nothing in writing other than a list of segments and how much time we think we're going to spend on them. But what people may not realize is that throughout the course of the day, you're texting me, I'm texting you. We have multiple conversations about topics we're going to talk about you bring up things that you'd like me to consider talking about. I bring up things that I'd like you to let me talk about. And you have opinions on all these things, some of which I agree with, some of which I don't. And today we have a regular episode with regular topics. And I want to hear your view of it because it's, uh, it's important that I think our audience understands that it's not necessarily that you and I agree all the time. Yeah, I think... I think I want to spend this time to sort of like go through some things that were that have always been in my head and I feel like it'd be like more appropriate to talk about with with fans listening. Um, just some not some like insight into like current events, but like insight into your career and how you got to sort of this point, if that's okay. 
uh, hey, you're the producer. So what you're saying is you don't want to right now talk about Otani hitting a home run in his spring training debut. You don't want to talk about the fact that the Mets, God knows what they're doing. And you certainly, do you want to talk about the Carolina Panthers or do you have something else completely well, I, in mind? I'd rather, I'd rather just start, you know, ease into current events by just, you know, having you answer some questions that I think people would enjoy. Did you prepare it? Like, so you want to talk to Samson without no, telling me? No, it just me? came into my head, like, right at this moment like this yeah well, it's oh, like that's nothing personal things, yeah, it's like how most of our conversations go where just things pop up all right what do you got coca how did it feel to be as disliked as you were in miami how did that feel because like no there's like no one in my life that hates me you know like i've never been in the spotlight enough for people to dislike me um and i feel like it's like never anything that like you've talked about or acknowledged was like, yes, there are people in Miami that don't like you because of the Marlins situation, but you never gave your feelings sort of like as a human being um, with people who, you know, have like actual hate towards you. Well, what about Montreal? I'm running for governor of Montreal. So I think that I'm pretty popular there. Did you see that they're doing a, a documentary on Netflix about the Expos and the end of the Expos? Which, yeah, how much how much of that are you in so i i don't know yet but i i certainly i'm part i'm not the story i'm part of the story only in that i was the violin player on the titanic as it was going down so i you know they certainly would like to hear from me but I, let me answer your question because i have uh i started not being liked when i was young it had nothing to do with being in the spotlight because i've always been forward facing. I've always, I was the class clown, the center of attention. I was always the one. And I don't want to say it's because I was smart. It's that I was not pushed in school enough or a challenge. And I went to a great school. Horace Mann's a great school, but for whatever reason, it just didn't keep my interest. And so to amuse myself, I would amuse myself. And I learned early on that it didn't much matter if other people were not amused by me. So I had friends to say nothing of family who just wanted me to stop talking. And the irony of what we do for a living now is getting paid to talk and how much I've always loved to talk. And when I was younger, I really wasn't allowed to because I always would get in trouble. And so I always knew that I enjoyed things that other people would look at me strangely about. And then when I went public and became the executive vice president of the Expos and then the president of the Marlins, uh, I grew this amazing defense mechanism, sort of like the, uh, it's, it's, it really, there's no other way to say it. It's a shell. It's an impenetrable shell where it never bothered me what anyone thought about me. And people think that that can't be true. And, and Lebetard has tried many times to get me to figure out whether it was true. And I've convinced him that it was because I never cared what anyone thought because they actually didn't know me. They only knew the things I was doing. And I think that may be what happened at CBS Coca when I walked in the studio for the first time and people thought I was this ogre and then realized that I was just normal. Were you in that category? Well, no, I didn't. I didn't really know who you were. Like team presidents weren't really like a thing that was on my radar, especially like a team that I didn't follow. Like you weren't the Mets team president. So for me, it was just like, like if Jeff Wilpon had walked in, you would have been starstruck. I don't know if I would have been starstruck. I probably would have been a little upset. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, but like answers but, it doesn't yeah, bother yeah, but me. Like, yeah, I was gonna say you're doing the David thing where it's like you started from childhood, but like I just wanted to know, like right now, like self-reflection, like looking back um at that time period, you know, do you feel like like wow, like that was that's interesting. Like that was an interesting moment in my life. I wish that I had been more empathetic toward my children is the biggest regret I have because I didn't really care that they were getting made fun of in school or that they had a dad who was, you know, in the newspaper who was hated by so many people for no particular reason that they were put in a position where they had to deal with that. It didn't even occur to me to care about that at the time, which I regret. And so I wish that I had thought about that more, but I, I didn't think about it then because to me it was always just a job it's so funny the path to nothing personal it's almost as though it was destined if there were a movie made about our lives you would see the arc leading to nothing personal because the concept of it's just business that has been part of my life since i was in diapers and uh and it served me well, but it clearly has impacted me socially. It's impacted me as a family man, but it served me well from a business standpoint. Yeah. And I feel like the thing that's, that I've grown into, um, being a part of nothing personal and like what you were talking about, how sort of like people haven't met you and don't understand you is like the amount of times, uh, that I have to like write out a tweet and then just delete it or, you know, bite my tongue um, when it's like time to defend you uh, from what people are saying. Um, even people who sort of like are in the, in the, the nothing personal circle. Um, Wait, you think I'm still unpopular? I feel like I've, I've really had a change. You know, there's characters I play on Levitard for sure, but I, I certainly think that people view me differently. I don't think people focus on the Marlins. It's so damn long ago that I think more people know me for Survivor and nothing personal. I was just in San Diego and I, I took a selfie with the, we, the waiter there who listens to our show every day and couldn't believe that I was sitting in his restaurant in San Diego. Didn't know mention of the Marlins or of the stadium. And I would say that I get recognized way more for nothing personal and Survivor than the Marlins. It's which just, is, I mean, listen, which is a good, you know, which is a good place to be because I feel like that was like the toughest thing for us was being, was starting in South Florida. Um, you know, this was like right after you did leave the Marlins and trying to launch a show in South Florida. And like, you still are, you know, we're heavily connected to South Florida. So like the toughest thing was trying to bring out that side. Like bring out. I would tell you what, uh, Jerry Silbowitz, my agent at UTA, the best agent in the business, when we started our relationship back in 2000 and uh, early 18, right before I joined CBS Sports HQ, he said, David, no one's touching you here because all they do is look at your Google and it's populated by hatred and lawsuits and vitriol. He said, you're just going to have to plow through and repopulate your Google. That's the expression he and his cohorts used at UTA. And here we are at episode 1000. So I'm happy that you're still bringing it up. But it's it's that's just a chapter in my life among many, many chapters and many more to go. So I don't think that our audience and judging by the way it grows and judging by the number of people listening, I think that people don't think about the Marlins anymore. That's my story. And I'm going to stick to that. Okay, that's like you being judged on something you did 
you know, 15 years ago, would you ever want to be judged by the way you were at West Virginia? But it's, but it's like, I don't know if I pissed enough people off, you know, like maybe I did, you know, but I, maybe you're just delusional. Yeah. But like, I look back, like I look back sometimes at like my time at West Virginia and for sure I was, you know, definitely not the person that I am right now, but it wasn't like something that, you know, thousands and thousands of people, um, you know, have the ability. And because you're so open, like you're way more open than any other executive would be where your DMS are open and our website and, you know, you respond to everybody. Um, not everybody. I try yeah, too much where it's like, it's, I just don't respond to anything. Issue. I just don't respond to anybody. Do you uh, really not? Are your DMS open and you don't respond to any no, of our audience? No, no I do, like, I mean, there's like four people who, who DM me and I'll respond to them. <laughs> but I'm saying like, if, if there's any sort of like hate or vitriol in a tweet, like I just don't have the energy to, to respond to that. So just like, you know, just like, I don't mind it. Yeah, I but really I, just like, I, I just don't want to give anybody anybody the, the time of day. Just like, you know, get your anger out. But like, I'm not going to to feed into it. So one of the things that people don't know about making a daily podcast uh, and as a producer of a daily podcast, I would like you to say two things that you do for our show that people who watch it and listen to it have no idea in terms of the workflow or the things just as though I don't know what other people do for a living or how it works, the insides. Can you just give two things, if you don't mind, of on a daily basis that you do in order for people to enjoy our show? I mean, it's it's just being like so online, which is like such an unhealthy thing um, for, I'm going to call myself young, but for somebody as young as me is to just be online all the time. As I um, and it's just like not missing any story um you know trying to think of like what fans want to hear uh you know it's it's kind of obnoxious because it's just like you're you know just looking at twitter or x or whatever you want to call it like all day long and like it just at some point you just want to like disconnect uh but it's tough to do because there's just always content and there's always stories that you're like shifting sifting through um you know trying to figure out what people want to hear and then I do that also. So I want to know specifically, though, from a producer standpoint, how do you decide? So let's let me ask you two specific questions. I go to you often with tons of topics and you will say, no, that's not really relevant or no, I don't think people want to hear about it. What gauge are you using? Is it just your millennial gauge or do you do it by by combing the Internet and taking sort of internal polls? Well, I think it's just like knowing and seeing. I mean, we've done a thousand episodes of this. Um, and I feel like it's like, this is like, it's my job. So like everybody has their own specific job in life and you know, it's, it's what they're good at and what they understand. And like my understanding is content, um, and understanding what people want to hear or people, what people are discussing. And then because I've done so many shows with you, it's knowing like, okay, David can talk about this or David has insight in this, or this is something that we've done in the past that we can, you know, bring back, or, you know, this is something where I can, you know, feed you some ideas um, and you can run with it in your, in your own way. Um, you know, it's not super exciting. Like it, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm not lining up to be what you are. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, I think we get to a thousand when we first, when I first tapped you at CBS back in t early 2019, did you just assume this would be another show that you'd work on for a month or two at CBS? <sighs> 
sort of because that was like what my job was was to just to like launch new shows you know it was just like oh this we need a show about this launch this and then COVID happened and then you know we were at home and it was just like all right you're just doing nothing personal and then you know, people don't know you also do the sporting class. We're going to record an episode of the sporting class later today. That'll come out Friday, March 1st, I guess is the date. And when we go through topics about that, I often hear in, in my ear, which is where I always hear your voice in my nightmares and in my dreams, your view of different things going on in the sports world. And you get very emotional about certain things. Certainly you get emotional about the Mets, but one thing that you've always been interested in is why owners do what they do and say what they say and spend what they spend. And you and I were talking before the show about Josh Harris and how much content he's given us and how it's not even close to what Danny Snyder gave us, who was just, I actually have to credit Danny boy for helping launch our show. He's one of the people. If you, if you think about it, Danny Snyder and Scott Boris are pillars of nothing personal because they just are, they're content machines because of, you know, their idiocies. I meant idiots and no, I meant idiocies. And so Josh Harris took over and we were worried there'd be nothing to do. And you and I were talking before the show that they're starting renovations at FedEx Field and you got all worked up. And I think the audience doesn't see that part of you enough. Uh, Coca folks gets worked up and he gets worked up like to the point where you just have to bring him back because he loses his mind like exorcism style. And one of your triggers is the common man, like Paul Young, common people. Do you know that song? You're too young. Living in the life of the common people. Shadows from the heart of a family man. Mommy's going to buy you a dream to cry right, too. Get to it, get to it, get to it. I just want to know Josh Harris is putting 75 million bucks into FedEx field and you're pissed off and I'm not. He's doing it in all of the prime areas, the premium areas, because it's the only way to get an ROI on any sort of stadium renovations and you protested as though he were offending you personally. Yeah, my issue with these things, like we're doing $75 million in renovations and we're, you know, there's going to be VIP experiences and new elevators and new premium selections and all these things. And it's like the local media and, you know, some of the national media, they pimp these stories out as if it's like the greatest thing in the world. And it's like, Oh, Dan Snyder's gone. And here comes Josh Harris. And, you know, he's doing all this work to, you know, bring FedEx field into whatever, but it's like, that's not for the regular fan. Like the regular fan is not spending a thousand dollars to go watch a commander's football game. Like he's not, they're, they're, they're not adding cushions to the seats. So did you get offended when airplanes spend money to make the first class area nicer and they leave coach alone? Yeah. Why? People are paying $10,000 for a first class seat and they're paying $1,000 for a coach seat. Yeah but, then but then, yeah, but then just don't talk it up as if you're doing something for everybody. Like we shouldn't be sitting here applauding the commanders because they're renovating VIPs. Like that's not like there's, I don't know, let's say there's 60,000 people that go in there. How many VIPs are there of the 60,000 people? But what about the sound system upgrades? Again, like I'm going there to watch a What about the game. water, Coca? <laughs> Everyone gets the water. Yeah, but I'm going there to watch the football game. You know, like I'm going there to watch the commanders play. Like, how are you going to make the game day experience better for the majority of fans that are going there? No one cares. This is one of my pet peeves as a president. People want to see the commanders win. 
you you know you can put lipstick on a on a pig if you want and that's what fedex field is they need a new ballpark and they're they're negotiating to get it but if you're going to spend money to renovate you're obviously going to renovate where you can get the money back and it's easier to change a premium ticket price from 200 to 400 you get 200 extra dollars so you can repay your renovation costs if you do something in the regular bowl what are you going to change it from 150 to 175 it's just it's not worth it that's why that's, that's why i talk about like these press releases like the the media should not be running with these press releases like it's like josh harris is is giving everybody you know season tickets and everybody is allowed to get these or everybody the, the vip experience is going to be more affordable for the common person like part of the release that was in there there's like there's this new viewing section where you could be close to the action how much is that going to cost because if you're a family of four trying to go to your first commander's football game because dan snyder's out and now josh harris is in and it's this new world we're living in like you're not going to spend you know two thousand dollars to go watch a football game but so you weren't going to spend a thousand either but that's why I'm saying like this, the press releases is just ridiculous. Like you should stop patting people on the back for <laughs> doing the bare minimum for the rich. Like that's where I'm at. So you, you obviously get along with John Skipper in your socialist tendencies. And I, and I appreciate what you're saying. The problem I have with it, Coca, as with many of your opinions, they're, they're rainbow and unicorn opinions is what I call them. So it's nice to think that way, but there's no practical aspect to it. There is no owner who wants to overspend for a, a seating section it, it, where there's no payback. There has to be an explanation, a financial explanation for what you're doing. It's not a social experiment. Going to sports games, it's not about, this is terrible to say, but it's just true. It's not about the fan. It's what we all say. It's in our handbook as president or owner that we talk about the fans and thank the fans. But no decisions that are made on or off the field is the question, oh, ah, is this good for the fans? It just doesn't work that way. And even in the EPL, which is your love, you, everyone knows you're a huge Tottenham fan, but going to Chelsea and when Chelsea was being sold to Todd Bowley and Ricketts and all the competitors were flying over to meet with the supporters. And I told you it was eyewash and you said, no, no, the fans have all this power over there. And I said, no, no, they really don't. And then you told the story about the German league and yeah, I but realized that but, fans but the may thing, have power. But the, difference, but the difference between what happens in European leagues and what happens here is this is what is basically what's happening with the Carolina Panthers, where it's like your team sucks and they have sucked and they went two and 15 last year. And your first thing to do is to just raise season ticket prices. If this was the EPL, that's not happening. Like the fan backlash over there. It's they're not allowing that to happen. And the difference is, is that in London or in England, in the UK, like everything is affordable. Games are affordable for people to go to. Like here, it's like you're going to pay $150, you know, to, to go see your two and 15 team play. And then the next year they're like, oh, well, we're just going to raise season ticket prices. So it's like where, but my question is, where is that money going to for the season ticket price increases? If you say it's not about the fan, and you're not enhancing the fan experience for the common fan. For me, it's just like, you know, what's the point? Like, what are you? It's a cost of living increase. It's, it's period. It's what the market will bear. It's actually the concept of dynamic pricing in a way, which I think I want to talk about with you in, later in the show, if we get to it. 
but the concept is that you raise the prices as much as you can until more people stop coming that makes the price increase no longer financially impactful. And generally that doesn't happen because you study where your prices are gonna be. You do research and you figure out which sections, what you can price where. Now, ironically, it's automatic now with dynamic pricing where you, the fan, get to decide what the price is. And I'm sorry, but in an auction type scenario, which is who's willing to pay the most for this service, you don't have to bid. You can say a Panthers game to you is worth $2 and you can go on StubHub and hope to God that it'll eventually be worth that. But if there's 60,000 people who disagree with you and want to go to a game and are willing to keep upping the price where they'll pay 150, why should I feel sorry for the people who bow out of the auction? Well, I think the, the problem is, is that like what we, what you had spoke about yesterday, where it's like the NFL salary cap went up $30 million which means salaries are increasing to even more millions, which means that the NFL owners are bringing in even more revenue and they're bringing in even more money. But then it's like, if we just saw a $30 million increase and we're seeing the NFL become the king that it is, why are we still taking these things out on the fans? If it's like the fans have done nothing but shown loyalty through everything. And it's like, here we go. Ticket prices are going up. Food okay, prices I didn't are know up. this about you, but Beer you're not going up. And I, I don't think you like, should live in America because it, in a capitalist society, that is what you do. Every time you buy a product, the person selling you that product is charging you the very most money they can and still allowing you to buy the product. And if you don't buy the product, the person next to you will. If no one buys the product, the prices go down or the company goes out of business. No NFL team is going out of business and it's great PR in terms of, hey, do a press release and MF David Tepper, which we've done on this show. Hey, the Panthers are a joke. You can't do it. You can't do it. Wait a minute. Yes, he can, because people will pay it. Now, their press release to me was sloppy. You know what we used to do when we raised prices in Miami? And we had such high supply and pro player, it was hard to raise prices. And in Marlins Park, we didn't draw enough fans. But what we would always make sure we could announce is that overall prices are even. And that means that wherever we are raising prices, there's some areas where we're lowering prices, except what we don't say is we're raising the most expensive seats by more to make up for any sort of seats that we're lowering, which generally go empty anyway. So there's a way to do a press release that can be positive about what you're doing with your tickets and say that there's not an actual increase when you know there is, and the Panthers just seemed to go right at it, that they were doing a blanket price increase. I thought it was pretty sloppy PR. Yeah, and it was last season. There was just, there was nobody at games. That's not true. That's I that mean, is not true. I mean, I mean, the proof was there. The images were there. The video was there of people just not showing up. And it's hard to say, but it's, listen, it's hard to say like, hey, we're going to get more people to show up if we increase the price of tickets. But that's the business decision. If in fact they're gate, they remember they're not looking at teams. Don't look at at how many people are in the stadium. They actually don't care. I know that sounds terrible, but they don't care. They're looking at average ticket price. They're looking at tickets sold and then turnstile. And so, if people are buying tickets and not coming, hey, they lose out on the F and B and the merch part of it. But they've got the ticket sale. So they're not necessarily when you see pockets of empty seats. 
The question is, are they sold at all? Is it just no shows or is it literal inventory that they have to burn up because the game ends? I don't know. I just, it, I, I do. Just, well, I'm saying, I'm saying for me, like, it's just, obviously it's just, I, I wish more teams cared about, cared about the fans um, than what you sort of are implying, um, you know, where it's like, why do, why are we not making game day experiences as good as they should be? When you, know, you when why you are we go to your playing? gym? Do they spend time having meetings, thinking about how they can best take care of the people working out on the dumbbells? No, but I think that they they do a good job of <laughs> of making sure that we have the best dumbbells available, making sure that the equipment is always functioning, making sure everything is top of the line, um, making sure that we are taken care of, where it's like every we is taken care of not just one specific person who comes in and it's like, Hey, we're going to invest in, in the people who are paying the most money. I totally um, disagree with you because to be at your gym, you have to pay money. Don't you? Or is it free to, is it open to the public? I mean, well, it's open to the public where you pay money. It's not so, free to the public. It's not free. You have to pay money to be in your gym, Matt. That yeah, means but you, that but you're not just walking into an NFL game and they're saying like, Hey, you can stand over here and you're, you're staring at a wall. Like you're paying an actual. They are price. saying that. Yeah, but you're you can, paying you can an actual whatever you want price. in the game. Yeah, but you're still paying a ticket price to get in. You're paying for admission to get in, and then you're going to raise the price when your product is shit. Only so you're in not certain you're areas. Not, but you're not getting better dumbbells. You know, you're getting the shittiest dumbbells, and you're still putting the shittiest things out there. By the way, that's saying, four swears. Do I have to beep your swears? Am I producing this show or are I you? I don't really know if if shit is that bad of a word. That's five. Us. I don't think we're supposed to say that. Uh, Soon. All right. We have a special thing coming up for you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, instead of a review of the day and a movie, which I did watch a movie yesterday because I watch one every day, we are not only going to get Coca's top five all-time movie list, we're also going to get Coca's nothing personal pick of the day. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This show is flying by. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson along with Matthew Coca. Welcome to our special episode 1000. We've spent the first 31 minutes with Coca complaining that big bad owners are taking all of his money and he's super sad. Meanwhile, he's been working with me and uh, I think he likes it because he shows up every day and we are here for you at 8 a.m. Thank you. Again, we are only here because of you, the audience. 
You know what we do after the break. I review a movie. And I thought it would be special for episode 1,000. If it's not me, you know that on davidsampsonpodcast.com, you can go there and get my top 100 movies. You can get every pick of the day, every wait to see, every movie we've reviewed. I thought for today that we would welcome in Matthew Coca and we would get his all-time top five list. And I don't know it. I'm going to learn it with you, the audience, right now. So Coca, of course, we don't have the Metal Arch soundboard, but all-time top five movie list, Coca. Mm. Don't pretend he didn't prepare. No, I did prepare, but what I was going to say is like, I know you're expecting me to be like, oh, John Wick, one, two, three, and four are in my top five. God, but, I hope not. No, but it's like, it's my favorite franchise, but I, I don't think it's like when you're talking about like the greatest films that I've seen, um, I wouldn't put it in there. So number five, I have The Town. Interesting. Ta-da. That's, that's, can you imagine? This is what it's come to. <laughs> the Town with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner, one of the great ballpark uh, videos. In a ballpark, we get the use of movie clips we buy for one price and then we get sent. There's like 50 or 75 clips we can use to hype up the audience. So when you see those movie clips and you tend to see the same ones in every ballpark, that's because every team gets the same list of 75. One of them is when Ben Affleck tells Jeremy Renner, hey, I got a job to do and da 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 And Jeremy Renner says, you know, when do we leave? And that's the definition of a best friend. Do you remember that scene? Sure. Anyways, oh, number no. four. <laughs> number four, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Da-da. Is that the one with uh, Charlize Theron? It is, yes. That was a really good movie. Did, did, you, did you watch the original Mad Maxes with Mel Gibson? Yeah, I've seen those. Road, Road, Road Warrior? Yeah, but this was like, this was just an epic. Like, it's just one chase scene. Um, you know, so much is happening. Uh, you know, it entertains you for however long it is. Um, whatever. I'm Number three, The Matrix. <laughs> okay. I mean, the Matrix was like a game changer. Like it was like one of like the the most perfect action movies uh, that there is, and it was like it's Keanu Reeves, which I'm to me a Keanu drama Reeves, theme here. Keanu Reeves is is my favorite actor of all time, and he should be everybody's favorite actor of all time. Uh, number two, I just saw recently. Um, I'm not like a big space guy. Like I always think that like every space movie sort of just has like the same theme, where it's like an issue happens getting to space or once you're in space, you know, something bad happens and like, that's it. Like those are the two things that can happen. It's like the rocket blows up or you're in space and the space station blows up. And that's like the only two themes that have like ever been in space movies. Um, so my second one is interstellar. Wow. I love interstellar. That's in my top 100. You just watched that for the first time. Yeah. Like a month ago or, you know, two months ago. Did you break it up into sittings or did you get through it in one sitting? I don't understand how you could break up a movie. Like I need to watch the entire thing. I need to feel what needs to be felt in that moment um, or I'll forget what's happening. But like when, when Cornfield Chase starts playing like the Hans Zimmer song and you're just sitting there and like, you feel like you're in the movie. Like you feel like something is happening. I should be paying attention. Um, and I think it's just like, one of the I best just lost a dollar. Why? Because I, I had two John Wick movies in your top five, and it's just going to be one. And I don't, I wonder which one you're going to choose as your number one movie. So, what is your number one? 
I mean, number one is like, it's the easiest one. It's Gladiator. Oh my God, there's zero John Wick movies? No, like I said, John Wick is my favorite franchise, but like if I stacked it up against these top five movies, I probably wouldn't replace them. But Gladiator to me is 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 the best movie of all time. You want to show people your Gladiator tattoo? No, I don't. Um, okay. But you my favorite thing about tattoo. my favorite thing about Gladiator is that it doesn't matter like what point in that movie you start watching, it's still going to be a great movie. So like you can start you can start at the beginning of the movie and walk away in the middle of the movie and it would still be a great movie. Or you could start in the middle and just watch to the end and it would be a great movie. Like it's not one of those ones where you do need to like if you're watching it for the first time, yeah, sit there and watch the entire thing. But like if you just, you know, I mean, you don't do it now because streaming changed the way we view things. But like back in the day when you could just, you know, turn on the TV and catch it, you know, in the middle of its playing, like you can sit there and watch it and still enjoy it. If I had to do a uh, top five Keanu Reeves movies, I would have to put Parenthood in it. I would have to put Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in it. And so uh, John Wick and I, I saw all the John Wick movies. They were great. I'm not sure John any of John Wick's movies or any of the Matrix movies would make my Keanu Reeves top five, which just shows you what a career he's had. Well, I think and- it's – but we view movies differently. Like I don't think – like The Matrix <clears throat> to me is, is a better movie than the ones that you – you know, you spoke uh, is better than Bill and Ted, you know, but I think it's just on your personal list. Sure. But like, I would put, you know, point break on my list and it probably doesn't make your list. Like I I love point break, but I would put hardball on my list and it probably doesn't make your list. I never even saw that where he's, he's a degenerate gambler and he becomes a, uh, youth baseball coach. No, the coolest thing about Keanu Reeves is that apparently he's a cool guy. I've never met him. But that's your top five. Are you, will you work on a top 100 over no. the next year before we get to episode 2000 I over the no, next two years? I have no interest in zero. The top okay. I, but my thing is like, I don't even like top lists. Like, I don't think people should have top fives. Like, I, I think it's so hard to to be like, oh, this movie is is so much better than that movie. I think if you just enjoy movies, like you should just be able to just enjoy them like i don't want to stack one movie up against another one i could tell you what bad movies are you know movies that i don't like or movies that i don't enjoy but like yeah i've seen I've a never hundred- done a top five for my top five most hated movies i don't want to revisit movies that i've hated but i but also, do top I also only watch, but i also only usually watch like a movie once and then you know i'm done with it like i don't like re-watching things multiple times well that's a pretty good top five list actually it's not what I would have guessed is your top five list. I should have known Gladiator. Gladiator is such a great movie. What happened to Russell Crowe? We can talk about that another time. All right, let's go to the nothing personal pick of the day because we got to get through this one. Last night, I had the Wizards plus 11 against the Warriors. The Wizards are playing fine. Thank God you didn't give me a market for Jordan Poole in the over because the guy scored 12 points because he absolutely stinks. The Wizards are totally screwed. And we had a cover that turned into a push. So we are still 26 and 29. The Warriors beat the Wizards by 11. So let's get into our pick of the day. The way that we did this is Coca did his pick. I did my pick totally separately. And it is going to blow your mind what our picks of the day are because it's annoying that we both can't be right. My pick of the day, the Dallas Mavericks lost a heartbreaking game last night to the Cavaliers. Did you see the former Heat player hit that 60-foot shot? Are you asking? Are you asking me, or was that like to the audience? 
oh, that's, you are the audience. You're with me now. So usually I talk to myself. Now you can actually answer. That's the best thing about this episode. Did you watch that shot? Yeah, I, I thought it was like the most beautiful, perfect basketball shot that I've ever seen, where it's like a 60-footer, a game winner, a nothing but net, and just one of my favorite sounds in sports is the sound of just a perfect swish. You can't have anything but a perfect swish or an off-the-backboard from half court. It rarely clanks around. That's been my experience with these long shots. That was like... It was a good shot. Mm. I wouldn't say it was, I mean, he, he was leaning forward. He had a good follow through though. It was devastating for the Mavericks. It was a great, great win for the Cavaliers, but the Mavericks have a chance to rebound. They're playing the Raptors. They moved on to Toronto. They're playing the Raptors who've been pretty hot, but I think that Luca, again, I don't want to get screwed here, but you gave me a line of three Mavs, three over the Raptors. I think the Mavs rebound. So my pick of the day is Mavs minus three over the Raptors. What is your pick of the day? I'm actually going to take the other side, and I'm going to take the Raptors plus three. And this was at without knowing what your pick was going to be. Totally coincidental. You think the audience believes us? Because it happens to be completely true. We submitted our picks to each other, not through the document that we share every day, a little inside baseball here. And we were on the opposite side of the same game on what is a full slate, not uncommon in the playoffs with one game. There's a full slate of games. Yeah, and I just we went on the opposite the, side. The, the Mavericks playing a back-to-back um, with Luca playing 41 minutes yesterday. Uh, but the big reason I'm taking the Raptors is, I don't know if you saw this, but the Raptors got a pizza party for finally winning three games in a row. And I think the power um, of the pizza party, of just incentivizing food, is enough to motivate people to excel. Coca. There's pizza in the clubhouse every day. What that is, there's no incentive. You want to incentivize your team, do a quick side trip to Vegas, bringing in a bunch of Papa John's. You think that the players are like, oh, this is so much fun. Give them all a free Apple Vision Pro. Yeah, but it's just like, it's just like, like if you were to go to the Metal Arc office today, which we're going to do, if you were to walk in there with three pies of pizza, the, it just, the office morale goes up. People start working harder. Everybody is happier. If you just get to eat, if you just give people free food, it's, it's, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. And I think now the Raptors are motivated and they're going to be motivated tonight off the sheer power of the Ninja Turtle pizza. Juju, put it on the poll. Oh, that's right. It's just me and Coca. Are you going with Coca's pick of the day or Samson's pick of the day? because one of us is going to be right and one of us is going to be wrong. Of course, the ultimate great irony would be the final score, Mavs 126, Raptors 123. And then both of us and everybody pushes. But who are you going with, Coca or Samson? I, I just want to follow up a little bit on what you're saying about uh, motivating players and how it gets people to work harder. I've always had a problem with that. It's like paying people extra just to do their job. And I've never gotten your take on this, but you've never seemed upset when I would tell you that why should a player making $10 million get a 50,000 bonus for making the all-star team? For 10 or $20 million or 20 or $30 million, isn't that your job to be the best? Why do we yeah, have to but, give another bit? But you give it. 
you don't have to, you know? So it's like, you're complaining about things that you agree to, you know, it's, it's like the same thing. It's like where you always talk about the opt-out being the killer and you're like, Oh, people need to stop doing opt-outs. But then you're like, well, I gave John Carlos Stanton an opt-out. Only one. It's the only one. And that was after yeah, but, six years. But you still, but you still gave in. Or and it's seven. just like if you don't want things to be incentivized, then don't put those it's into so the- hard when you're in the room with a player and you know that there are other teams who want the player and that you just get you get advanced FOMO, like, oh my God, am I really not gonna get this player over a stupid fifty thousand dollar all-star game nod? And then I say to the player often, are you really not going to sign with us because of $50,000 all-star game bonus? Yeah, it's just And the like, agent says, yeah. Uh, woe is me. You know, it's like you just complained this whole, or, you know, you just said the entire start of the show about fans having to pay extra. And we don't, guess what? We don't care that the owners have to pay more money to players to incentivize them. I don't care that the coach of the Raptors is giving his players a pizza party. But you're motive- you think the players are motivated by it to cover a spread against the Mavs? I think it's, what a pepperoni pie is going to get them to run harder. Yeah, but, listen, but it's the same thing. It's just like with uh, you know, the incentives at the end of the season to get an extra sack in the last game, which Chris Jones did to get an extra million. That wasn't like, over pizza. That's a million dollars. Yeah, but this is a smaller level of 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 that minuscule is pizza. Do you remember episode 50? We were still in the studio at CBS in Fort Lauderdale. We got to 50 episodes of Nothing Personal. Do you remember what I did that day for everybody? Yeah, you brought in in cupcakes. 50 cupcakes. Yeah, but why'd you bring in the cupcakes? Because I wanted to thank everyone who had worked on the show and helped build the set. This is pre-COVID. Yeah, but why did you do that if we were getting paid? Because I couldn't think of anything else to do as a bonus appreciation for oh, helping so you me. Mean that the Raptors coach couldn't think of anything else to do for a bonus appreciation. For for what? Winning three in a row? He said it. He wanted them to get some Outrageous. wins. Pizza power. I think he could have done better. Coco, we're out of time. We need a longer show, number one. Number two, we have all these things we didn't get to talk about. What are we going to do? I know what we're going to do. We're going to do another show tomorrow. Not with you. But can I talk about these topics tomorrow? I mean, if you want to, will you come back for episode 1500? I mean, or do you depends. want to wait till 2000? It depends on how Chad feels. If Chad, if Chad, if Chad thinks that I should show up again tomorrow, then, then I'll show up again tomorrow. I'm not, not on camera, but you know, I meant episode, like episode 1500, episode yeah, 2000, episode, because yeah, yeah, I'll see you all in, I'll see you all in 2026. So we have to wait now because an official wait to see to put in the document, Coca is we got to episode 1,000. I'm going to give you another official way to see. We're going to get to episode 1,500. I don't know if we'll still be at Metal Arc. I don't know where we'll be, but Coca, you will always be by my side and me by yours. We are going to keep going. Thank you again, everybody. Episode 1,000. Jesus. All right, I got to go do Levitard. Then we're going to do sporting class. Then tomorrow we'll do another nothing personal. Coca, I appreciate you. To the audience, thank you. And I'd like you to do the sign-off for episode 1,000, Coca. Um, okay. Uh, thank you, Chad, for being extremely nice to me today. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, maybe after this appearance, um, you know, other Meadowlark shows will, will actually know that I exist. Maybe the main show will know that I exist, and they'll, uh, they'll want me on, um, you know, one of their roundtable podcasts that they have with their producers. Um, but if not... <laughs> 
This is why you wanted to come on our thousandth episode because you want to be on the main show. We are the main show. Yeah, well, you know, now it's time that I've, you know, my face is out there and my voice is out there. Now it's time to build my own uh, personal brand. Oy vey. It's just business. Uh, this is nothing personal. <laughs>